Hi, this is Tyler Schnudy, and you're listening to On Your Way Out, a podcast of Providence Church. On this platform, we're having conversations with members of our community and beyond about making more and better disciples of Jesus and what it means for us as we leave the walls of the church building and enter the world. So welcome into the Provcast. Welcome into the podcast, everybody. Glad you could join us this week for On Your Way Out. I am joined today by a friend of Providence and someone who's been uh, just a, a leader and a mentor in a lot of different ways in our community, and it's Gene Clausen. How are you doing today, Gene? I'm doing fine. Awesome. <laughs> uh, for those that don't know you and may- maybe um, are a little unfamiliar with um, just your your role and your presence here at the church, maybe talk a little bit about um, maybe how you got involved with Providence and what's been your journey in getting involved in the prayer team and um, work with the missions team. Um, how did God kind of bring you to Providence, and um, what's kind of your backstory there? Okay, well, um, I was born and raised in Holland, Michigan, uh, but in 1963, a long time ago, yeah. um, I left with my wife. We were just married, and we had not come back hmm. to this area until 2000, really 2009. Okay. So we've been, and we connected with Providence because when we moved here, I just said to uh, Linda, I said, we we don't have to go all the way around town to find a church. We should hmm. find one close. And and then we we went at uh, several churches in this area, and then um, Keith Dornbus was preaching, and the mm-hmm. church just felt alive. We came hmm. here, and we said, this is this hmm. is where we want to be. And hmm. so that's where we connected. Gotcha. We're, we're really... Outward-looking people, yeah. and so, you know, we we had to adjust to uh, thinking about just being here. For okay. sure, for sure. Yeah. And then, when did you get started um, joining the prayer team? Well, uh, you have to know about my wife. She's the spiritual leader. <laughs> I'm the follower, and <laughs> and she drawed me into the prayer team. Hmm. And hmm. Uh, so she was doing it, and I saw the need, and she she asked if I would, and um, I did. And yeah, so yeah. that's what happened at the time. She, I have to listen to her. Yeah. She's really uh, spiritual. Is she someone that's always been in her life kind of a prayer warrior? Has that always been kind of a passion? Um, she has an interesting story herself. Hmm. Uh, she, she, was, um, she became a Christian at a, at a crusade here in Holland when hmm. she was about, I think, 12, 13 years old. And uh, she's an intuitive person. I'm a thinker. Yeah. And she's an intuitive person. Hmm. I'm I'm so blessed to have an intuitive person as a wife because I have to listen to her. Hmm. You know, I'm I'm a doer. Get things done. Yeah. And she's the one who sets back and sees what's going Uh on. So Uh I appreciate that. That's cool. Um, Talk a little bit about what's been happening um, in the missions team these days with Providence. Well, uh, yeah, we joined the mission team uh, right away. That uh, that's a place where our hearts were. Yeah. Uh, all these years, we were we spent uh, 15 years in Tanzania, East Africa, uh, doing mission work, and mm-hmm. then we spent uh, two and a half to three years in India doing mission work until we finally settled here. And so our our view and our vision is outward yeah. in that way. Yeah. And, and so the mission committee was a natural place for that us just, to be. Yeah, that just made sense for where you guys were and where yeah, your parts yeah. were aligned. Yeah. That's cool. And if you guys have not spent time with Gene and Linda, I've just been so blessed by the time spent in, in prayer with you guys specifically um, and the rest of the prayer team. That's been a really powerful 
time, I think, for the staff to come together and spend time in prayer with people that that is really their heartbeat of spending time in prayer with the Lord and praying for the staff, praying for the church. Mm-hmm. Um, that's such an important, crucial part of the ministry. Um, so I thank you for your willingness mm-hmm. to serve in that way and the time and devotion spent in that time. I, I'm, I'm fully convinced that God's going to use that prayer to mm-hmm. really change this church. Yeah. So I'm there wholeheartedly. I just think God is going to do a work through, through Absolutely. us. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm proud to be able to serve that way. That's so great. So I think part of the reason why we wanted to have you on is um, just to hear a little bit about your story and your testimony with your walk with God and what he's done to shape your life um, and what that has looked like for you throughout your life. Um, We're talking this week about the gospel on Sunday. Toby's going to share just some ideas about what it means to live out the gospel and really thinking about... um, Maybe we've been serving a false gospel or a gospel that we've convinced ourselves is the truth, but maybe is is not. And, you know, it, it's going to look differently for different people. Um, but I see a little bit of, in Toby's sharing a little bit about when he's talked to you about your story a little bit and just hearing the kind of the unique aspects of it where you really had to do things in a little bit of a different way than maybe the world would expect you to do. And in following God... Um, that required you to really trust in what he had for you because, like we were saying even before we hit record, that it seemed foolish maybe to other people, the, the steps that you took. Um, so I'd love to maybe hear, hear you start about um, maybe just share how you came to know Jesus and when that really took off for you in your heart and how God led you um, even mm-hmm. as you were a professor in some of those areas mm-hmm. of your life. Kind of maybe take us to the beginning of mm-hmm. where your walk with God started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I was about uh, age 14. <clears throat> I'm a very shy and introverted really? person okay. to start out with. Hmm. And so um, I just, I'll never forget a time when uh, I was I was in a worship service here in, in Holland, Michigan, at about age 14. I think it was a time of real loneliness to me, and, and they were singing this song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, and hmm. it was just like, yes, hmm. that's who I need. Hmm. And so that's that, but but I wouldn't tell anybody. I'm too shy to tell yeah, anybody. Yeah. So I just, so I cruised the way Christians grow up as young people here in Holland, Michigan, and I'm, and that's just the way it was. Yeah. And uh, I have seen m- my testimony is that uh, is this at my age, 79 is uh, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way. Hmm. And I, don't, I like to take that word remember and change it by recognize because hmm. he has led me all the way. You just have to notice but, it. But, uh, you know, I, I was cruising, doing hmm. my thing. And, and much of that life that I, I have was doing that thing. It wasn't until about uh, 1984 that things really started to change for hmm. me. So hmm. maybe this was a, a, a second conversion. I don't know what huh. it was. but uh, Well, what led you to that, that point, and what was involved in that, that sort of change for you? Uh, we had, uh, after I got a Ph.D. in mathematics mm-hmm. at the University of uh, Nebraska, and after that uh, I was invited to the faculty at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, mm-hmm. uh, and I went through the ranks there. I spent 15 years there actually, uh, and, and was uh, tenured. I was a research mathematician. I'm writing papers, and I'm connecting all over the world hmm. with 
with uh, other uh, research people in mathematics. And there, were, there came to a time when I, um, the joy of doing that, the excitement, I loved mathematics, I mm -hmm. still do, mm -hmm. was, it was waning. Mm -hmm. And I didn't quite understand what it was. And I was looking and looking uh, where, where maybe if I changed my job, changed my location or something like sure. that, that uh, I would be satisfied. Uh, but my, it was my wife again, mm -hmm. and she, uh, she was longing to really get in the scripture. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what she did. She got in the scripture. The organization was Bible Study Fellowship. And then I came, my daughter uh, joined uh, Kelvin College, my oldest daughter, and I just mm -hmm. went over there to just check it out with her. I went into the math department. None of the people I knew there, I went through that door, and everything inside me says, you belong here. Really? That's what hit me. Wow. So one year later, I'm there. Wow. You know, I did. I, I, I resigned from the University of Tennessee, uh, and that, that's the first time people said to me, you're crazy. Mm. You know, I had friends, they told me there was a meeting, they talked about me in Italy. They said in this meeting, he's done. He's mm. done. He's moved out of the research institution. Right. You know, so I always have these back you know, drop of people saying yeah. you're crazy. Yep. And that was yep. just one of them. And, yep. and then when I came there, my, my wife was serious about me getting in the scripture, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, so I joined Bible Study Fellowship, and I, my excitement about being in the scripture just mm. bloomed. I couldn't believe it. I just wanted to be in there. So God is working. Yeah. You see, God is doing the work. Now. What is that, um, that organization, Bible Study Fellowship? Uh, what is that? Uh, it's a, a Bible. It has its uh, headquarters in San Antonio, Texas. It's all over the world. Uh, it's uh, almost all in English, hmm. and um, it's just a serious study of the Scripture. Hmm. They do uh, a book or three, two or three books a year. Uh, they have an academic year, sort of from September to May, mm -hmm. and um, it's a serious study. And yeah. it's located here in Holland and in, in Zealand and in Grand Rapids. There are several classes cool. there as well. So that was kind of the first time where you really started to consume Scripture and really dig into it in a deeper way. Right. Yeah. Right. And so from there, what did, what, did, what did that do to you, and how did that change kind well, of your outlook? So, so uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm just going at it. I just love it, you know. And then uh, I, I'm called into leadership after two years in that organization. And then um, after, this is now f four years later, five years later, um, they, they uh, approached my wife and I and say, would you consider going out of the country for Bible study fellowship? Mm. This just hit me like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is this? Yeah. And, and uh, so they said, oh, call the executive director and, and t tell her of your, uh, you know, so I called the executive director. She says to me, who are you? Oh, what is your occupation? Oh, we have a job for you. Huh. Just like that. Wow. They said, the mathematics department at the University of Dar es Salaam is looking for a math professor. That's your job. Wow. Just like that. Well, where is that? I said to Rosemary, was her name? I said, Rosemary, you're telling me, but I'm waiting for God to tell me. Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But... If you look at what happened, it's absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. There became a conviction in my heart that that, that is exactly where God wanted me. Hmm. And it was easy. Yeah. It was just easy to do. Huh. Just because 
God which seems God was doing it. That's not right. Wasn't me. Well, and that's such a like. There's such an overwhelming piece about that about making a decision that seems so radical, and yet you didn't right. feel uh, right. nervous about it. Right. And the people, you know, the people at even at Calvin College in the math department said, uh, you know, go for two years and then come back. Yeah. And, and I went for two years and came back one, and then they said, then I they said, oh, you can go again. Uh, you can have another two years leave if you want, and I said, no, it's time, it's time to go. I know, mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. for sure. And wow. so, uh, you know, I just, I've had this, I have these people who who are as challenging my those thoughts. Right. And uh, praise the Lord. When we went, I said, Linda, you and I, there's a veto power. Any one of you right. says no, that's the end of it. Right. And so she's with was with me and hmm. was a part of the whole part of it herself. And how long did you spend there? Yeah, uh, we were there a total of fourteen years okay. over a fifteen-year period. Okay, and we um, we started the Bible study fellowship in that country in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Hmm. Um, we could. I was a, a professor at the university, and that's a, was set up by the uh, British. So it was in English, hmm. and the Bible study fellowship classes were in English. So we became aware and, and worked a little bit with the Kiswahili, but we never mm. really became uh, proficient at it. Okay, that. okay. I'm curious, what would you say in in being a part of Bible Study Fellowship in America versus Tanzania, like how much different of an experience was that in terms of interpretation of Scripture or just how people engage with that? Did that was there any difference in doing it over there? Well, there was a there were some difficulties, but Bible Study Fellowship had a clear vision of of the quality they wanted, mm-hmm. and so they always they had advisors come twice a year, check out everything to set keep the standards up there, mm-hmm. and so um, uh, you know they were a great help, and and yeah. the, the literature is all the same. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. they uh, you have lessons, six seven page lessons. They read the same wherever you are, mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. quality uh, stuck, and and so it attracted people who were really serious about the right. word of God, right. including the wife of the president of wow. the country of Tanzania. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh! So she was a part of it. Yeah, she was a part wow. of it. Wow. Ma, uh, Mama Mkapa. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you were there for 14 years total, right. and then when did you come back to America? We we had a sense in which um, it was time to come back. We had a sense in which um, that class had to own itself more, and with us there, it might not. Hmm. And so uh, we came back, and that was in 2004 Okay, we came back. And then we actually settled in Holland. Mm-hmm. Um, for two years before we went out again. Gotcha. And then where did you go? Back to Tanzania? Then we went to India. Oh, India, okay. Yeah, Bible Study Fellowship asked us to go to India. Okay. And uh, start classes there in a, in the city there. Okay, yeah. okay. What was, um, any, any, was it a similar process doing it in India at that point? It's a similar process, yeah. Um, there was a group in that city who was praying for Bible study fellowship. They had heard about it. And so um, Linda and I and another couple went there mm-hmm. to get it started. And 
we we had traveled before, you know, even as a research mathematician, I had spent three months in Belgium at one time and three months in India and or in Italy at one time. And so we're we're relatively comfortable just yeah. flying in. And so that's, that's what we cool. had to do. We just fly into this uh, city called Vizag or Vishakhapatnam and mm-hmm. and within one week we had spent ten thousand dollars and 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 furnishing an apartment and mm. everything and wow. getting set up. So we're we're we were very much used to that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. So, do you still have like when you left Tanzania? You it was you said it was with the hope that it would kind of be self sustaining without you being there. Right. Um, do you still have a connection to the people that are leading that now? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's we, still continuing. Yeah, th- there are awesome. some people, you know, who are just brothers and sisters mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ. That's mm-hmm. just the way it is. Yeah. We, we came back there just to say hello uh, um, a couple years ago, and, mm-hmm. you know, we still had all those connections. Right. That's awesome. So I want to ask you, you know, throughout your life, as you've just explained and, and told, is that all these different moments of you know, leaving to go to Calvin and then leaving to go to Tanzania, then the decision to come back from Tanzania um, and then to go to India. Um, you were very much seeking the Lord's will f- for those decisions. And like you said, you were offered a job by somebody, but you wanted to wait. And is this what the Lord is, is asking me to do? And you felt such a like resounding answer that that was what you needed to do. What was... Um, how can you explain what that that is like um, in your relationship with God of seeking Him and 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 feeling that response from Him? Because um, sometimes for me it's like I I pray about certain things and I don't always feel that um, really specific voice telling me. You know, um, yeah. W- how do you kind of explain that that process in your relationship with God? Well, I, first I have to say I I believe God works on individuals. Uh, based on their own personality, yeah. so he had Apostle Paul. He had to hit him right, right. over the head. You right. know, I'm a little bit more like that. Hmm. Okay, God mm-hmm. has to hit me over the head to get my attention, hmm. and so that's the way I see it. So when when we got that first call to go to Africa, you know, I think, oh my goodness, and I said, I see some things that have to happen before I can imagine that I'm going to go, hmm. and and. There's God doing it. I'm saying, oh, my goodness, there it goes. Oh, my goodness, there goes that problem. There goes that problem. I just see it going. And so it's not so much that I did anything. Right. It's that God was doing yeah. it and, and gave me the conviction that mm-hmm. this is the way to go, okay? And yeah. that made it easy otherwise. I mean, otherwise, I think, am I going along? I never doubted that God wasn't yeah. with me because he showed himself in that way. And just the the circumstances around it that uh, convinced me. It's undeniable. Me. Yeah. That God's working in those ways. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, what was what was your um, in terms of this your strength and your faith and your confidence in the Lord? Like you said, there were you 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 feel those doors opening, and yet you're hearing from maybe people in your life or people around you in your mm-hmm. academia or in your professional world that are sort of saying that maybe this is a mistake and you're being foolish for doing mm-hmm. that. Um, was there any struggle with that and and what kind of what kind of helped you overcome some of that tension between what you felt God was saying for you to do and what your peers were saying? right It was a scripture. Hmm. It was a scripture, hundred hmm. percent. It was just. Uh, when I'm in the scripture, that does it. I yeah. remember 
uh, going back. Um, they said, well, why don't you go back to Tanzania for, and then uh, take a two years leave of absence? And re- I'm in the scripture, and Nehemiah's going to leave um, uh, and go to, go to the Holy Land, yeah. you know, from from uh, bondage out. Yeah. And and so, he's the king says, "Well, we'll take you an army with you." And he says, "No," and it just struck me. Hmm. No, I I think he's calling me there. I don't need to cover my tracks, you see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's just the scripture that does it. It's just I uh, I can't emphasize how important yeah being in the scripture when you're doing things is. I and that's that's how God often speaks is right. through the word. Right. What would be your encouragement for people that maybe struggle to really get into God's word? Um, and maybe that's a hard thing for for many of us to do that consistently. And maybe we just haven't felt, um, you know, that mm-hmm. happen in, in areas in our lives. Um, what would what would be your wisdom for for people in, in that space where it's, it's, we haven't quite yet found that you know right. desire maybe. Right. It's a discipline, of course. It mm-hmm. even is for me, you know. <laughs> I think some some morning I'm not in it, you know, and I think, why wasn't I in it? Yeah. For goodness sakes, you know. Yeah. It's it's the best place I can be, and yet there's a there's a I can think it's Satan just trying to yeah, bug totally. us. So there's a discipline involved in it. But uh, when you when you come to the scripture and are honest and open and to God and just say, I need your mm-hmm. help. Mm-hmm. He's there, okay. Yeah, and so, yeah. practice it. Just practice it and trust. Trust the scripture will come alive to mm-hmm. you. I think that's an important distinction to make. That often we we want it to just be every single time you open the word, have this sort of emotional, spiritual experience with it. And some sometimes that will happen, but um, there is the the discipline part of it as well, mm-hmm. where really before. A lot of times, I think before we reach the point where we have that union with Christ and that relationship with Him, where we can really discern His voice so easily, right. it requires some of that discipline. Where there are going to be days where, like you said, I think because of how important that is in our walk with God, the enemy is really trying to keep us away, right. and he's going to convince us of a lot of reasons why today is just not going to happen or whatever right. it is. Right. And so we do have to make that decision every day. Um, and even probably, like you just said, even as long as you've been digging into Scripture and as much as it's been important to you, there's still days where we don't do it or, or we don't feel like doing it. Or Right, right. And if we're in the Scripture, that's when God is excited, okay? Hmm. And so, so things will come up just because we're in the Scripture that we wouldn't expect otherwise. Hmm. And the, the more confidence we have in the Scripture, the more it becomes our road. Yeah. 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 What insights um, can you share about the kingdom of God from your time in Africa and India? Obviously, different cultures um, and probably different um, relationships that you would have with people there as opposed to in the church in America or even in Providence Church, for example. Um, what kind of perspective can you can you give just about, you know, the kingdom of God as it exists on earth, experiencing it in some of those different cultures and areas of the world. Yeah, uh, the African, we're, we're quite familiar with the African culture, and we're quite familiar now with the Indian culture as well. They're different cultures. Yeah. They approach things in a different way. The uh, Africans that we were at were very humble people. Mm. And um, so as, uh, as, as Christians, 
they were very humble people. They just welcomed us. They it was uh, they, that's one of their virtues, I think. And there, as you know too, there are people that that have joy. Mm-hmm. Their celebrations, yeah. and so we just you know, Ame Fufuku, he is risen. Mm-hmm. You know, and they have their their and they're just cheering and all yeah. that. And so that's that's one of their gifts. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I'd say their weakness is leadership. Mm-hmm. They they are looking for somebody else, and in this part of the African culture we are in, mm. it was a socialist country, and they kind of, I would kid them some something. I'd say uh, the, the country is your mother, right? Because mm. that's the way they thought, yeah. you know. And so that was their weakness to stand out and be different. I think mm. in mm. the Indian culture, on the hand, it's the other way around. They they are sure they're going to be. Uh, the strongest country in the world in the future, and they don't mind telling us. And they're very mm-hmm. aggressive. If you know some of those, that's the culture that we saw there. On the other hand, in their aggression, they're just going out. They're just hmm. uh, they're just uh, going into villages that have never heard of Jesus Christ, and they're just going in into those villages and doing it. And yeah, they just have this confidence. And uh, they get kicked out of the village. They go back and they pray for a while, and they come back right back again. Wow. We, it was our blessing after doing Bible study fellowship to start Timothy leadership training there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we started out with uh, about 30 uh, pastors, and it's now over 500, eight, wow. years, eight years later. It's wow. just, awesome. And they're just, it's aggressive. Yeah. An aggressive community. Yeah. yeah. What, what would you say um, in experiencing some of those differences? And obviously, um, even as you just explained, there's strengths and weaknesses in, in, in cultures, right? And right. Um, not necessarily better or worse, but can you can you think at all, um, in some ways, how do you see the church in America through that lens of where do you see us having room to grow? And um, are there any experiences that you've taken throughout those that you think you could maybe implement here or that we can grow in and improve in? Oh, that's a tough one. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are wealthy and laid hmm. back. Hmm. There's a there's a great great commission we have that we just don't grab a hold of, hmm. and I grew up here. I'm a part of this, yeah. so it's easy for me to even to fall back when we come back here. Yeah, but um, we have so much talent even in this church. We have so much financial uh, wealth in this church. We have everything we need hmm. uh, to go and really make a big difference. And uh, so that we have to learn how to do, I think, by God's mm-hmm. grace. Mm-hmm. I think that's, in a nutshell, what we desire to be as the church. It's more than more than just using your resources for ourselves and using our talents for ourselves, um, but making an impact in our community. Right. And I think you see that probably in a little bit more visceral way, sometimes going across the ocean somewhere for some reason you right. see it in a, in a different context and in a culture where they don't even have the resources to do it but they're so like in India for example right. so confident in the gospel that they have that right. they are willing to go and march into this village and maybe they're ostracized maybe they're right. get kicked out but then they're like this is we they believe so strongly that this is their calling yes what um why why do you think why do you think sometimes we don't have that attitude here I think a lot of it has to do with all the wealth that we have. Mm-hmm. We ju- it's comfortable. Yeah, we become comfortable people, and um, we don't 
We don't. Uh, by God's grace, that wasn't a, too much a part of what I was, mm -hmm. because when I left the University of Tennessee to Calvin College, I took I I took a cut in salary, mm -hmm. and it it didn't bother me to do that, hmm. you know. And uh, it's it's God's who do, who's doing it. But I just think in our society we value money too much yeah and and uh, i think that's one of the biggest things we're we're fat yeah and i think there's a, in a weird way sometimes um in other parts of the world where there's just high levels of poverty and people in in the christian community just are really dependent on the lord for like basic needs you know basic things mm -hmm. to survive that almost changes your relationship with God in a certain way because when you pray, you have a very specific, like, I am depending on the Lord to get through this day almost right. in a very, like, even physical way maybe. Right. And here we don't probably don't experience that very often for ourselves. Right. And I think, you know, that changes how we, we see ourselves as dependent on God because we don't necessarily think that I need to rely on God for my food and my water and for my shelter. Um, right. So that changes a little bit of how we interact with God, I think, in this culture where we have so much of that just available for us, you know. Right. We, we uh, trust it. Huh? Mm -hmm. We trust it more than, than what we ought to. And so, I, you know, I've seen that especially in Africa where poverty, you know, India is like a second world country. Hmm. Um, Africa, that part we were in was really third world. Yeah. And I saw Christians who would do things that you'd say, no, that's not a good idea at all. They're done, they, with no money, they just start doing something, <laughs> you know, and they're just trusting God. It's just amazing. I know a couple of university students from Uganda, they said, well, we're going to go home for Christmas, I thought. All they, all they have is a, a one suit of clothes that they wear. That's it. <laughs> How are you going to do that? Oh, we'll get out on the road. And we'll start finding a car. We'll find somebody who will take us to Nairobi, Kenya. And then when we're over there, we'll get on the road again. Then we'll find wow. another car. You know, so they come back after Christmas. I said, how did it go? They said, God is with us all the way. Man, you know, that's and so just, cool. Just let go. They just, money isn't important to them, yeah. really. Yeah. That's such an interesting perspective that sometimes, especially if we just spend all of our time in, in one area or around one mm -hmm. culture and community, we, yeah, we kind of can get tunnel vision about some of the, maybe the blind spots that we have and how right. that affects our relationship right. with God even. Right. But we have to recognize that uh, uh, Providence Church here does have a heart for people oh, yeah. around those. Oh, yeah. So when, when I started to introduce to Providence Church what was going on in India, every time I would uh, talk about a need, they were ready to do it. I just yeah. praise God for the hearts of these people yeah, here at Providence absolutely. Church. I think that's something that I've, you know, I've been a part of the church for little, in total over four years now, and every time there is a, a challenge or a call to raise finances or raise support or raise food for really anything that has been brought to the table, people come like that right. to support it. Because I think a lot of times we, maybe we, we, we don't always know the outlet of, of how to be generous, but when it's when it's presented to us in a very easy way, I think people here are so willing to partner with the Spirit of God to bless other people. Right. It's a very generous attitude, I think, that exists here. Right. Um, so I think, in some ways, uh, just that idea about... Um, 
sharing the gospel with people um, and how that how that looks different maybe in in other parts of the world. It's the same principle that we live here, even though, like you said, there are different strengths and weaknesses that that we've grown up in living in in West Michigan culture. Um, what our desire, I think, as a church is, is um, really to make that practical and to make that normal. Um, and even just the basic idea that we talked about last week of just having a, a spiritual conversation and not having that be something that feels strange, but let that be something normal as a normal part of our lives and our relationships with people. And um, I think as we as we begin to just sort of uncover what it is that that the Spirit of God is really moving us into doing, it becomes easier almost when, when it be, starts to become a natural mm-hmm. part of your, your language and a natural part of your attitude. Um, mm-hmm. So I think your story is a perfect example of just following the Spirit of God, and it, sometimes it looks foolish to other people. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, maybe that's a good sign, um, because... <laughs> A lot of times the, the ways that God's calling us into is uncomfortable and is mm-hmm. unique and is different than how the world would operate. I think we should expect that in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and I would, I would say to young people, uh, be open to that. You know, when you're young, you're more flexible in, some, in many respects, mm-hmm. and I just say, God can use you. Just be, just be open to that. Just be ready yeah. to see. There's life. I mean, it's, I can't imagine for myself a hard life, yes, but a more exciting life. Mm-hmm than what God has given me just by breaking some of those bonds and yeah. moving and moving out. God has great work to do. I say, young people, go. Yeah. Okay, think big. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Calling all young people along with me. <laughs> I love that. Um, would you pray for us um, as we close? Yes, I will. Thanks. Our gracious God, our Heavenly Father, the one who has all the power uh, to change lives, even as you've changed my life. I recognize all the power that you have, and, and we need uh, your hand in, in Providence Church as well. We need your hand there, and we come as a congregation before you and say we're ready, God. Mm-hmm. Now we, we prepare ourselves to listen, and we pray, Lord, that you would use us in the way that brings your kingdom in this part of the world, even in Holland, Michigan, uh, to, a, to a greater dimension that we might uh, be your advocates all around us in the days ahead. Keep us strong. Uh, give us uh, strength to do that and uh, protect us. And we know we can trust you in all that you have us do. For we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Gene. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. We'll see you next week, everybody. Take care.